Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Super Review Show's Mixed Band coming to you live, Wenskin from the JK. I am joined by my good man, Bill Murphy. What's going on, folks? So glad to have you back. And we have a special guest tonight, as always. You know him, you love him. Justin is back. Sorry, Dr. Professor Patrick. Sorry, whatever it is. Justin's here. Mr. Dr. Professor Justin. Actually, it's redacted right now. Sorry, I feel bad. So, (laughs) all right. But anyways, uh, we have a very... Kind of a part two topic tonight, but Bill, what is our? T- oh, wait, how can I forget about this? We the best, we the best, but hey, JT, we the best music. DJ Kelly. Uh, yeah, again, his they not they're not the best music. Their music kind, his music kind of sucks. It kind of sucks, just letting you know. But he the best music. We the best podcast. Um, yes, yes, yes. But Bill, um, what is tonight's topic again? Well, tonight's topic is my sex tape. Absolutely. Finally. I'm so kidding. I'm so kidding. Yes. No, no. Um, what is it, Bill? I'm sorry. For okay. That. If you remember last week, we talked about albums that were shelved or postponed. We were there with our very, with our new friend, Mr. Vinny Levine. Yes. Shout out to Vinny. And tonight we're doing the same thing, but with movies. Yes. With movies that were shelved or postponed. So we're going to talk about it. And we're also, well, I'm also going to try to tie in the event of movies that got affected because of real life events. Because there are a few. Um, maybe one day we'll do like a whole nother video on that. So maybe we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, this time will tell. So only time will tell. And we got to get back in time. So anyways, it's back to the future. By the way, I think that I actually like that Asia song better than he at the moment. Unpopular opinion. Ooh, unpopular opinion. One of our highlights. Um, Who would like to go first and list their first couple of or their first pick of uh movies that were shelved? Bill, you want to go first? Okay. Um, I'm going to go first. Um, Okay. Um, Yeah. Like I said, tying in with movies that got affected by real life events. Doctor Strangelove. Interesting. From the nineteen sixty four one. Yeah, nineteen sixty four. Okay. Okay, and there was a small detail, and then a detail that we'll. Okay, Stanley Kubrick's classic film from nineteen sixty four. Okay, there was a scene in which one of the main characters said, "A fella can do good with this with a weekend in Vegas." And, but it was, the original line was, a fella can do good with this with a weekend in Dallas. So why was that changed? Well, here's why. And the, and the movie ended up, okay. The movie was supposed to be released in late November or early December of 1963. So, for those of you who don't know your history, on November 22nd, 1963, President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. So, that line, a fellow can do good this with a weekend in Dallas. Um, There was actually, I think the movie was actually supposed to open in sneak preview, I think, the day Kennedy was assassinated. So in the conventional wisdom of of Stanley Kubrick, he decided to postpone it. And also there was a scene 
that Kubrick was going to take out anyway, but it even means more. There was a scene when a giant pie fight breaks out. Yes. We're not kidding. A pie fight. And it was supposed to be played completely straight, except the actors couldn't stop laughing. And this was all shot on film, so going for a second take wasn't exactly cost-effective, so they just cut the scene. And also, there was a part when the fight stopped when they say, our young president has been struck down. So the film, hold on, let me just pull up the release date. So, yeah, because of the Kennedy assassination, Dr. Strangelove was supposed to be released in December of 1964, but because of, of, 1960, of September of 1963, but due to that line and other things, the movie got released in January of 1964. Did any of you guys know that or... That was very. I actually never knew that. I've I've not seen this movie personally, but I find that very interesting. Hey, Justin, gentlemen, you can't fight here. This is the war room. <laughs> That's from that, right? Yep. So yeah, to start off, Doctor Strangelove got postponed because of the Kennedy assassination. Interesting. Very oh, very interesting. There's right here. It says. A first test screening of the film was scheduled for November 22nd, 1963, the day of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. The film was just weeks away from its scheduled premiere, but because of the assassination, the release was delayed until January 1964, as it felt it was the public was in no mood for such a film any sooner. Like I said, during the post-production, one line by Sam Pickett, I felt to have a pretty good weekend in Dallas for that stuff, was changed to a weekend in Vegas because Kennedy was killed in Dallas. And then, of course, the line I just said, gentlemen, our gallant young president has just been struck down. Hmm. So, yeah, that is the first one. The, even though it was delayed by a couple weeks, this movie still got delayed. You know, and this is like one of the rare times, you know, we always go to movies for like escapism, but this is the time when movies and reality sort of combine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that is my first pick, Dr. Strangelove. Good pick, Bill. Proud of you. Thank you. Uh, Justin, do you want to go next? Um, yeah. And for movies that got delayed, um, I think we're going to. We'll take it from a movie that only got delayed a couple of weeks to a movie that got delayed a few decades. The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Cool. Tell me more. So this movie was a passion project of Terry Gilliam who conceived this movie back in 1989. Um, went through several stages of various production, um, but fell apart in parts because of uh, 
rights dispute with a former producer. Um, literal acts of God just preventing the film from being made. Um, casting availabilities. It's just one disaster after another just prevented this film from ever being made until... Um, and there was even a documentary that Terry Gilliam uh, made back in 2002 called Lost in uh, La... Hold on a sec. Lost in La... I had it. I'm sorry, guys. No rush. Take your time. It was was it lost in translation? Am I thinking the right thing? No, lost in translation. That's uh, Sophia Coppola. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. I'm thinking the wrong thing. Um, lost in La Mancha. Lost in what was Back it? I'm sorry. 2002. Okay. That documentary was him being unable to make this film. A film they conceived back in 1989. Then come 2015, he finally has everything he needs to make the film, which he made for $16 million. Um, and he had uh, Adam Driver and Jonathan Price. And it ended up only making like a million dollars. So all that hoopla for a bomb. Wow. Bill, as Batman would say, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. There you go. <laughs> For those of you who get that reference, good for you. Um, <laughs> I love that movie. Anyways, um, anything else you want to go off of on The Man Who Killed Don Quixote? Quixote. Quixote. Sorry, I, I knew I was going to butcher that. Any other, anything else you want to say for that? Or I think we're good. I was, I had to step away for a second. So is this just curious? Was this pre Star Wars Adam Driver or post Star Wars Adam Driver? This was during Star Wars Adam Driver. Oh, and during the when he made the sequel trilogy. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure. I, I saw him there. I was like, wait a second. It was this before he got this big break with Star Wars or no? You know what I mean? So this was after Force Awakens. Okay. Like 2016, 2017-ish. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, is it is it my go now? Yeah, it's your turn, my friend. All right, here we go. So, all right. So basically, here's the deal. Um, my picks are mainly like superheroic, superheroes type of movies because that's kind of my wheelhouse. That's kind of the stuff that I know for sure. Um, but since we're on, since we're and we're we just mentioned like Star Wars and whatnot, um, I, and I'm only bringing this up because when I first found out this movie was going to be canned or shelved for the time being, given that everything that's been going on over there, Warner Brothers, Batgirl, oh. Uh, Sorry, I know, I know. I look. Moment of silence. A moment of silence. Because this, 
this movie, I mean, the concept art and the, the promotional images all look pretty darn good. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I cut me personally, this might be an unpopular opinion. I actually like the fact that they went to the Yvonne Craig Batgirl look, but in a modern context and like make her like her outfit look the way it did. I like that a lot. But as most of you may or may not have heard by now, but this movie was supposed to go to HBO Max, if I'm not mistaken. And it mm-hmm. got pushed completely off the release schedule from Warner Brothers DCEU. And I, I, I'm not going to make this whole thing about the DCEU moving forward. I'm not anything like that. But what I will say is basically this movie, I was very excited about it because I look, we're, we're getting another bat iteration of something. Um, didn't who directed it? Joss Whedon directed this too, right? No, um, it was the directors behind uh, Miss Marvel. Oh, those two. Okay. All right. Gotcha. 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 Um, yeah. So I, I was very excited about it, truthfully. And as for those of you who don't know, Batgirl is uh, Barbara Gordon, who, who live under a rock and don't really know, know anything about the comic book world. She's Barbara Gordon. She is Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And she learns about Batman. And word has it, Michael Keaton was supposed to appear in the film, too, right? Yeah, which okay, can I can I point of order? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So they're suggesting that this takes place in the Burton verse, right? Uh to my understanding, that's what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. So the Schumacher movies also take place in the Burton universe, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh if yes, I believe so. Then doesn't the Burton verse already have a Batgirl? I could have sworn that they, they said that we're going to cut off and, and pretend we're going to ignore Forever and Batman and Robin. I could have sworn that this, I read somewhere that they, when, when, when this was all still going on, they're like, yeah, we're going to just do, ignore those two and bring Michael Keaton in and focus on the for, for the first two, and then Batgirl's going to come from there. That's what I heard, but I mean, I might be wrong about that, but that's what I heard. So, all right. I'm just, I'm just saying that that's retconning uh, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, because if Michael Keaton was supposed to be in it too. Yes. Michael sure. Keaton was supposed to be in Batgirl because of the um, the way I forget what do you call it? I forget how uh, the the specifics of it, but I do know that we do know that ba- Michael Keaton's Batman was supposed to be in this Batgirl movie. Um, and as he's making his appearance in the Flash, still to this day, coming up later in, later this year. So, um, which I, I, I full disclosure, I'm excited to see the Flash. I'm curious to see where that film goes, what what where they take the DC universe from there. So, but that, that's a whole other conversation for another time. But Batgirl, so why did the Batgirl movie get delayed or shelved? Why did it get shelved? Why did it get shelved? Yes, because of a tax write off. Yeah, literally. Can you elaborate on that, Justin? Yeah, Justin's going to have to elaborate on that one. Basically, they wrote the movie off as a loss. Really? They they told the government that they are not going to make their money back on the movie. And now they... And basically, they legally cannot release this movie now. So, uh, movie studios, are maybe with certain things, you should maybe, I don't know, keep your mouth shut when it comes to the government. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Am I right, Justin? 
I agree. <sighs> so someone had to bring it up at some point. So, <laughs> so that's uh, what happens when you lie to Uncle Sam. Yes, and uh, thanks, Warner Brothers. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, no, uh, it's not that they even lied about it. It's that they basically had this blatant display of not having any faith in their product. So they were better off shelving it. So if they, if DC gets under new leadership, Justin, can they, can they like re-release the film and not, can they, can they work on the film now or? Legally no. It's not the same as the Snyder Cut. Ah. A version of Justice League did was released. It wasn't Snyder's version, but it was a version. It was a version. Ooh. Yeah. So anyways, that's just... I wanted to get that out of the way. I wanted to get it out of the way for like as far as, um, you know what I mean? Just because someone was going to bring it up to some point. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Batgirl, first pick right there. Uh, sad but true. She's no longer coming on HBO Max at all or coming out at all. So, bummer. All right. Let's go. Let's go back over to Bill. Bill, what do you got? Okay. Um, we're going to dive into the world of animation here. Okay. Um, we're going to be talking about a film that is obscure to some people. Mm-hmm. It's called The Thief and the Cobbler. Oh. You know what I'm talking about, Justin, do you? Please elaborate as you... From 1993, is that right? Yeah, but the original... Sort of. Okay. It, it's time for a little bit of a uh, history lesson here. It all started... Okay, the so the movie was released in 1993, but we're gonna go back way in time here. The year was 1964. The Beatles have just landed into the U.S. The Lyndon Johnson has just beaten Barry Goldwater, and Muhammad Ali has just or or Kaisis Clay has just won his first boxing title. Yeah, that's all the stuff that happened in 1964. But anyway. Um, so there was an animator by the name of Richard Williams, who, have you ever, I, Justin, I knew you have, JT, have you ever seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? I have, yes, I have seen it. He actually worked on the animation for Who Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So anyway. Oh, nice, okay. He wanted to release this movie called, which was going to be called The Thief and the Cobbler. And... It, it was he was working on it. Started in 1964. He and it just took a very long time with new script changes in 1973 when Williams commissioned a new script from Howard Blake called Tin Tack. This then that script was scrapped, and they and. Many scenes were cut, and many scenes were cut, and um, 
and a lot of okay the I'm having a hard time explaining this so just please a little patience here folks um okay one of the things is the film was supposed to be like a silent film but there was going to be some dialogue will um we'll um get back to that in a moment but because so what was going on at this point was I'm having a hard time talking about this right now. Um, okay, going into the 70s, the Richard Williams didn't really have any money to finance through all this, and there was no, and there was really, and he really didn't have a team because when you, when you don't have money to pay them, and and then during and. He tried to get more animators, and then finally, like in the seventies and eighties, he got he finally got financial backing. And oh boy. um, they were trying. He was trying to get funding in the eighties, and then in which gave him a twenty five million dollar marketing budget and. And then, uh, oh boy, um, this is a lot, guys. Um, we got nowhere to go. Take your time. And the film just, okay. So it got new funding in the late 80s, and it finally went into film production for nearly, t- after 25 years. It's a long time. And he was get Williams was getting new animators, and and yeah, even like during all this, there was dialogue that was recorded by none other than Vincent Price. He recorded his part from 1967 to 1973, hmm. and the film actually got released like a month after he passed away. So Williams had, okay. So then Williams had experimented with, with characters being drawn by hand and in many dimensions. And then Warner Brothers signed a deal with the completions bond company to ensure that the studio would be given a finished film. And, and then they were supposed to finish the film by 1991. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And Warner Brothers basically basically did not like it, and they basically let the film go because they wanted it released by 1991. Mm. Damn, doesn't this sound like a just a roller coaster? Um, yeah, absolutely, man. With all the animation that they've been trying to salvage over the years, and then... And in 1992, the rough version of the film was shown to Warner Brothers. They didn't like it during the screening. And then the and then the studio lost confidence and they backed out of production entirely. And the completion bond company seized control over the film. And then poor Richard Williams was fired from the project. Wow. He was fired from his own project. And and then 
And then on top of that, they lost a bunch of money that was pulled out by Japanese investors. And then this guy named Fred Cabot took over and offered to solve the problems of the of the things that of the things that are whatchamacallit. Um that Richard Williams did not like. But they turned it basically into a um what's the nice way to put it? They basically turned it into an absolute shit show. Because this time the film was actually then distributed by Miramax. Mm-hmm. Who is Disney owns Miramax, am I right, Justin? Um, I think they do. Yeah. Actually, that's uh. I'm not 100 sure, but I think they do. They did, but it was one of the Weinstein's companies. Yeah, and then um. So they kind of turned it into a shit show because, okay, guys, this is what you got to know. This was the 90s. This movie was released in 1993. And the origin, and it was, and the the working title of this movie was Arabian Night. Oh, wow. You know, the title of a movie that was released, you know, the year before, a song that was written in a Disney movie that was released the year before. You guys know what I'm talking about. Aladdin. Aladdin, of course. So this movie was basically poised to be an Aladdin ripoff. So what happened was, and then they basically totally tried to make it into a Disney knockoff. They added songs. <laughs> they basically added songs. And then they, um, I, I remember it was supposed to, I told you it was supposed to be like a silent film, but they put voice actors in it. They put like, um, they put Matthew Broderick in there. Really? Yeah, Matthew Broderick to voice Tack the cobbler. And that was his speaking. His singing was done by Steve Lively, who did the voice of him in the Fred Calvert version. And then and then the and then the thief was then voiced by Jonathan Winters. Hmm. And this film was basically, they basically wanted to turn this from a somewhat silent movie to <laughs> to, you know, a total Disney knockoff. And um, yeah, let me see how how the critics responded. Um. It was a commercial failure and it received mixed reviews. And then 
Yeah, so this film basically took almost 30 years and it ended up bombing. Wow. But then what happened was, and this is interesting, they actually have something, they actually released something called the Recobbled Cut, which was what the film was supposed to be. So no Matthew Broderick, no Jonathan Winters, no songs. And it was just supposed to be what it was supposed to be, a somewhat silent film. Wow. So, yeah, that's The Thief and the Cobbler. I just gave you a whole dissertation on it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy, Bill. Yeah. Like I said, Vincent Price died before this movie got released, and there was dialogue that he released like 30 years prior. Wow. Justin, you got anything to say about this? Um, I've never seen it. <laughs> so I, it's hard for me to really comment on it. Basically, it sounds like an Aladdin ripoff, but it's it bombed it after 20 Aladdin. That's the thing. Yeah. What was that, Justin? It predates Aladdin. That's the thing. You know, the nostalgia critic made a good joke in this one. It goes like, you know what? I would say this was a knockoff of, of Aladdin, but this was made before Aladdin. And then they took that. Aladdin took stuff from that, and then th and they took stuff from Aladdin. This is the product of animated inbreeding. It all of a sudden makes more sense. Hmm. Alright, so yeah, that is my very long dissertation on The Thief and the Cobbler. Any questions? This has been another edition of Ow! This has been another edition of Random Facts with Bill. And Hell yeah. JT, if anyone could guess what the parody of that song is, what do they win? So if you can guess the whatever that song parodies, you can reach us at 1-800- Got him. And you can win a free, mind you, a free signed t-shirt by Bill himself. True. Oh, we got Bill shirt. And you know what else will you win? They win your respect. You win they? my respect. Yes, Isn't do. it the best prize at all? My respect. Absolutely. Um, anything else for the thief and the cobbler, gentlemen? Nah, I think I'm good. All right, Justin, you're up. What do you got next? All right. So We all love Spider-Man, right? Oh, we all I love Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, we all like James Cameron, right? Oh, I think I know where this is going. I typed it wrong. That's okay. Go on, Justin. Talk to us. This actually almost okay. happened. Back in the early 90s, um, there was gonna be um a James Cameron directed R-rated Spider-Man movie. Um, apparently, it was going to have Leo DiCaprio as Spider-Man. 
Arlie wow. Army as J. J. Jonah Jameson. Wait, who as J. Jonah Jameson? Arlie Army. Oh, um, the yes, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. And who was supposed to be Spider Man? I'm sorry, Leo. Oh, okay. Nineties Leo. Mm. Um, Lance Henriksen as what I believe is Electro. Um, Robin Lively as Mary Jane. Michael Bean as who I'm guessing is supposed to be Sandman. And Arnold Schwarzenegger as Otto Octavius. Wow. You want to talk about something crazy? <laughs> um, so, basically, in 1985, uh, Roger Corman had the option for Spider-Man, but it expired. So then Marvel Comics uh, optioned it to Canon Films. Um, they optioned it to a few directors. Uh, Toby Hooper was one of them, um, but that fell through. Um, they eventually met with uh, James Cameron and he had some interesting ideas. One of the few ideas he had was organic web shooters. That came from him. Um, in fact, there was a bunch of stuff that kind of came from him that eventually went to the Raimi movies. Like, um, it wasn't genetically modified spiders. It was genetically modified flies that one got eaten by a spider and then that spider bit Peter. Um, as I mentioned, it is R-rated. There is F-words and sex. Mm. Mm. Um, in fact, at one point in this movie, Peter makes a web bed for him and MJ to bang on. Oh. Um. So he basically had a James Cameron basically had a fifty-seven page scriptment, which is part script, part, part treatment. Um, the comic is supposed to be at the South of the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. And it would have had uh, Peter reveal his secret identity to uh, MJ. Oh. That would have been a bit well that happened in Spider-Man too, but having it happen had this movie get made, that's another thing too. So yeah. Oh, and uh the place where Peter and 
and MJ uh, Bang is on the Brooklyn Bridge. Not bad place, but and that's just that's crazy. This just sounds it's so James Cameron and it's so rated R, it almost sounds too good to be true. You know what I mean? Um, let's see here. Did, did he write the script for it too? He wrote a scriptment. Okay. Um, like nothing, nothing permanent though, nothing crazy enough to stick. Yeah, like, like I said, there were some ideas that stuck. Um, the whole uh organic web shooter thing that stuck. Um, the kiss, I think they got it from here. Um, Hmm. Did they get um? Wait, who'd you say for JJ J. Jonah Jameson? R. Lee Ermy, the the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. Oh, and uh, oh wow, Octavius was only going to be like a cameo. He was apparently he was going to be set up in a similar way that Dylan Baker was being set up as the lizard in the Raimi movies. Okay, all right. Doesn't sound too bad. I mean, I mean, it, it would have been something to see back then, especially because back then you got to remember too, the night, late eighties into the nineties. DC was this sounds almost opposite today, but DC was hammering Marvel at the time. Marvel's like, oh, they had a Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie. That was it, and then it's the complete opposite from like two thousand, like nineteen eighty eight, two thousand up. It was like. X Blade, X Men, Spider Man. That was like the oh, these are actually really cool movies, but of uh, Marvel characters. And the DC in the 1990s, I hate to see your thunder on this one, but in the 1990s, it was like all like the Batmans and the Supermans and the you know, and other characters like that. So I find that crazy, you know? Yeah. Um, essentially, uh, the reason why this never got made was, um, well, basically in 1996, that's when Carol Carol Co., 21st Century, and Marvel, they all went bankrupt. Really? Yeah. So a quick claim was placed on the film. Um, MGM acquired all of their... Uh, film library and assets and received all rights in and to all drafts and versions of the screenplays for Spider-Man written by James Cameron, Ted Newsom, John Brancato, Manum Gollum, John Michael Paul, mm-hmm. Ethan Wiley, Leslie Stevens, Frank Lelogia, Neil Ruttenberg, Barney Cohen and Shepard Golden and any other writers. Basically, it became a huge legal shit show. Wow. That's crazy. Also, uh, the villains would not have worn costumes. 
I don't know. I guess uh, everyone has something against costumes. That's it. Just sounds like a developmental nightmare. Truthfully, you know what I mean. I mean, it's probably going to be expensive as fuck. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. It's sounding like it was going to be, you know, expensive. Also, yeah, what's up? This movie was also the reason why Sandman and Electro never appeared in the animated series in the 90s. Because James Cameron were going to use those two as the villains. Okay. And they already and they had the rights and Fox didn't. Is that correct? Yep. Very interesting stuff, man. I mean, I mean, we it's funny if you if for those of you who are watching us, if you want to go back on our YouTube channel, I think about 2017, we did actually we actually did an editorial video about this specifically, and as well as one other one, as well as Batgirl. Um, and as well as one of my my next pick personally, but this was one of the ones we talked about for like twenty minutes. As a, as a, as a buddy of mine, Justin, you might you might actually like get to know him. He's all he's a huge fan of like these un, unfinished projects, like we're talking about or shelf stuff. So, it's particularly in the superhero genre too, like for Bat, Batman, Superman, whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, one day I'll have to when we all get more all together though, we'll have to. Uh, We'll have to talk about this stuff because it'd be nice to get together and talk about that. But uh, man, no good pick, though, man. Seriously, any, any other comments for James Cameron's Spider-Man? So, so because of the so another so again, the reason why you never saw Sandman or Electro is because James Cameron them had the rights. Yeah, he had the rights to the characters, and he didn't want um, the animated series to use them because I guess he didn't want to confuse people. I don't know. I don't know how these people work they, like those. Basically, the bottom line is they couldn't get the rights to Spider-Man. That's why this movie never happened. There was like legality issues. There was financial issues. There were a lot of issues. Hmm. Okay, I think I'm satisfied. All righty, cool. Is it my turn now? It is your turn, my friend. All right. So I, I don't have a lot to talk about this specifically, but I feel like Justin can chime in on this in a second more than I can, but I want to bring it up for what it's worth at one point. Yes. This for those you're listening to us, for those you're watching us, just hear us out for a sec. At one point or another, Bill Murray was going to be Batman. Okay. And I, and I only know this because we talked, we, as I just mentioned, we did an editorial video about this. I think a couple of years ago on our YouTube channel, check it out. But I'm. This is a Justin moment. This is my pick, but I'm letting Justin hijack it because of what specifically goes on with this. So, so Justin, Bill Murray was supposed to be Batman at one point, correct? Yes. In 1983, there was a Batman movie being planned. All right. Now keep that date in mind. 1983. Yep. Some stories did not come out yet to really form Batman into what he is today in mm. 1983. Correct. Yep. So in 1983, 
Ivan Reitman was planning a Batman movie. And um, it was going to feature Bill Murray. Um, it was also going to have Eddie Murphy as Robin. Yep, that's oh, correct. That would have been interesting. Very. So... Also, I was going to have Adam West as Thomas Wayne. And other members of the Bat family. Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon. um, Silver St. Cloud. Jim Gordon. Although Jim Gordon was renamed David Gordon for the movie for mm-hmm. some reason. He wanted David Bowie for the Joker. Can I be honest with you? I feel like Go that would have worked. I feel like that would have worked, truthfully. It would have been interesting. I mean, it, it, been, it, may, it may not have worked as much as Jack Nicholson or he would not have been the Joker, but it would have been interesting. He was kooky enough to do it. I just said kooky, I know, but still think about that. So, but it, it definitely sounds like it was going to be more of a comedic take of the Cape Crusader. So, like um, Batman 66 2.0. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Which plus- in the 80s, I think, could have worked a little better than it, than what they did in the 90s. I mean, th- if they wanted to switch actors, they could have gotten a Bill Murray then, but still, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, I'm glad I brought this up, and I'm glad you filled in, because I-, I was curious to get your input on this, because I only know so much, and that video we did was in 2017. We did an editorial video about th- about this topic specifically back then. So, I mean, it's not... Yeah. It's- it- it- yeah. It's not a movie I know a whole lot about, but it's an interesting one. Yeah, so true story, everyone. Bill Murray was supposed to be Batman. and and But what happened instead was it was 1983, and then the next thing you know, they shot the movie Ghostbusters, and history was made. Because <laughs> that came out in 84. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing against Bill Murray as Batman, but still, if you think about that for a sec, that's crazy pick so but uh but yeah um any other comment bill do you have any bill do you have any comments for bill um no that was tim burton supposed to direct this or no oh yeah no this is going to be directed by ivan reitman oh so it would have been a comedy no matter what so what really made it go down again just uh I guess it just fell through. Like they just kept, like, I guess I didn't get the actors, or the script wasn't good, or I don't know what happened with it. Hmm. It's not a well-known 
movie. And again, this was before Batman Dark Knight Returns came out. It was before Batman Year One, <laughs> Infinite Earth. Um, Jason Todd was still just a Dick Grayson clone. It it was a different Batman. It was a pre-crisis Batman. Pre-crisis Batman? Yes. Yeah, pre-crisis and Infinite Earth is what he's talking about. Yikes. So that, that's like, that's still, I mean, the 70s was one thing. You're talking about the early 80s. That's like, that's still not quite campy Batman. Like, golly, Batman. It's not that kind of Batman, but it's like getting out of that a little bit. It's still the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams Batman. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not familiar with him specifically, but I I do know that back in the mid to late 80s, before Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, they were trying to make the the Cape Crusader look different, like on page compared to Kind of get back to his roots, if you will, which was a good step. So that's how we got the movie yeah. with, with Michael Keaton. So, uh, but yeah, any other comments for my pick of Batman with uh, Bill Murray as Batman? No, I think I'm good. Justin, you got anything else for it? I'm good. All righty, back over to Bill. And I have one more pick, just so you guys know, but let's just let's jump over to Bill. So, Bill, what do you got? Okay. Ooh, I got. Wait, are we only doing one more pick, or because I got no, no, I I have one more pick, but if you want to do two more, whatever, go ahead. I got two more. Um, okay. okay. Um, oh god, uh, damn it! I'm I, I have three now, but I'm thinking about one of them needs to not make the cut. So, talk about all three. It's fine. Okay. My first one. You know what? Since we talked about James Cameron. Yeah, I think it's only appropriate that we talk about Avatar. Why? Don't worry, we'll make this quick. I promise. JT, I know you like it, but Justin, should you tell him or should I tell him? I think we should both tell him. Okay, one, two, three. We don't like it. Like Avatar. All right, I I don't really care either way. So, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, you know this film basically took forever to make. The first one, yes, yeah. I do know that. I know that about both of them. You know why he? You know James Cameron actually wrote the first treatment for Avatar in 1994. Yep. And. So- in 1996, he announced that after completing Titanic, he would film Avatar, and he was going to use of synthetic and computer-generated gener- actors. The project would have costed over a hundred million dollars. And that was a lot of money back then. Six actors in leading roles who appeared to do to be real but do not exist in the physical world. And in so so I'm guessing because of okay so they were going to begin production of it in mid 1997 for a 1999 release. However, Cameron did not think that the technology had caught up with the story and the vision that he intended to tell. 
he made he wanted to refine refine the documentaries and cover story that that 20th Century Fox had fronted ten million dollars to film a proof of concept clip for Avatar, which he showed to Fox and executives of two, of October two thousand five. In February 2006, Cameron revealed that his film Project A80 was a retooled version of Avatar, a film that he had tried to make years earlier. Cited the technological advances and the creation of the computer-generated characters. And then from January, the, the script was worked on from January to April 2006. And and then, and then designers were met from 2005 to 2007. And, and filming began in April of 2007. So 10 years it took. And they filmed it for a long time too. You said they started filming in 2007, you said? They started filming in, 2000, in April 2007. And they were, and they just, and they released it in two thousand nine. Yep. Oh my god, that's a long time. Yeah, and then it was finally released in December two thousand nine. So this movie literally took from the time it was conceived in nineteen ninety four. This took fifteen years, but it kept being delayed because Cameron thought technology wasn't caught up with. Was those 15 years worth it, Justin? Nope. All right, you know what? We're just going to... I'm going to say it, because if I say it, no one else will. It's three hours of James Cameron shoving his ego in your face. (laughs) Agree, Justin? If I wanted three hours of James Cameron's flooge, I would just gotten James Cameron's flooge. Oh my god. <laughs> like, I can do this. I'm James Cameron. It's three I, hours of James Cameron shoving his ego in your face. Oh my god. And you know it's even crazy that the, the, they're shooting the next like two or three of them. It's crazy. The third one's already shot. Oh, that's right. I forgot. They're gonna drop. When does the third one come out? This year or next year? Next year, I think. So yeah, it took Avatar 15 years from its conception. That's crazy. Any, any questions? Any comments? Any concerns? Sold to Justin. What do you got next, bud? Okay. JT, are you ready for this? Oh, God. Is it Green Lantern? No, I'm just kidding. Ugh. <laughs> uh. This is the one that we discussed before. Oh, boy. All right, go ahead. Lay it on me, bro. Okay. The year was 1970. And Jerry Lewis made a little movie called The Day the Clown Cried. Hmm. Bill, are you familiar with this movie? 
vaguely. I did see this on a list of movies I was thinking about. So, the plot of this movie is of a circus, a Jewish circus clown who got caught in the Holocaust, sent to a concentration camp, and was used by the Nazis to lead children into the gas chambers. Oh, boy. You can see why this movie got shelved, right? Even today it wouldn't fly. So did it ever get released or not? No, it never even got finished. Um, I think production got halted before uh, it could be finished. Um, there is no complete print. The most complete print is in the possession currently of the Library of Congress, but they are not allowed to screen it until five years after uh, Jerry Lewis's death, which is 20, no, wait a minute, eight years after Jerry Lewis's death, which is 2024. So next year? Yes. That's when they are allowed to screen it. That doesn't mean they will get screened. That's actually um, very interesting. Jerry Lewis swore that um, no one would ever see this movie as long as he was alive. Now he's not alive. Nothing's really stopping him, but the people who are in possession of the movies. I'm looking this up right now, Justin. Did you know Jerry Lewis actually asked for, why don't you try to get Sir Lawrence Olivier? I mean, he doesn't find it too difficult to choke death be playing Hamlet. My bag is comedy. Yeah, he did say that. Wow, this is a this is intense, heavy topic, but it's worth bringing up too if you think about it. Yeah, and um, yeah, no, I I saw it on the list of movies when I was doing my research for this, mm-hmm. but um, I but I didn't get a chance to read it. But um, yikes! Yeah, big, 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 yeah. big topic here, and like look. <laughs> Look, just just for those of you listening to us or watching us, look, we're known to get silly on the show. Yes, I said silly. You know, we, we're we're bound to get like funny. But when, when we get serious, we get serious. I mean, for for Christ's sake, when I went off, and I'm just going off a tangent for a sec. When I went off, and I and I really, really, really bagged on Netflix's 13 Reasons Why. You can go look up that video. I don't care what you think about it, but go look it up. Um, I thought that show was a travesty, and this just. It just shows that we're not afraid to bring up serious topics. And, and the day that the clown cried is a very serious discussion topic for us. As Absolutely. Far as go. I mean, it's not like we, we, don't, we don't do this to make you feel uncomfortable. We don't do this to make you feel upset. We do it because we care about our audience. We care about our community. And we care that this is a very important show and topic for us. And we want to bring it up. So for all you trolls out there who are saying, well, clearly, relax. 
stop. We're bringing this up for a reason. So I put that out there. We're not bringing this up to get on some type of soapbox. We're just no, and we're bringing it up for we're bringing it up for our reasons because it's a film that never got released, and Justin's gonna Justin was just talking about it, and I just wanted to put my foot down and be very sincere with people and say, look, this is a very serious topic for a lot of people nowadays, especially, and we don't want to get in the rub, rub off the wrong way. Get um, the reason why it didn't get finished, Justin, is the from that quote I just read. Did Jerry Lucia say, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. I don't want to be do this movie. No, believe it or not, no. Um, that was just from more hindsight. Um, the writers was not happy with the finished product because they were the original writers of the book or whatever, uh, the original script, and they blocked the release. They blocked, so they blocked the release. Yeah, and the movie was in litigation limbo ever since. I guess no one just wants to touch it. You need someone to proof screen it first. You need someone to actually watch the footage and see if it's and and. Look, Schindler's List is one thing, but if you can, if, if I don't know, you know what I mean? It, it'd be like a sensitive thing to show in theaters. I mean, I feel like if you release it today, it would have a two pronged effect. Either A would be like, oh, all right, this is what they were thinking back in the 70s when they made this movie or back then in the day when the, the subject matter was. Or B, someone there's going to be a, a legion of new people be like, why would they release such a stupid, you know, not stupid, like, but like, a, why would they release something that's controversial or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, this know. is. I'm getting uncomfortable. Well, it's, it's funny because Jerry Lewis talked about the how this movie just got this legendary status because of how unknown it is. And people just have this expectation in their mind that this movie is either going to be Citizen Kane or the worst goddamn thing they ever saw in their life. And it all depends on if they want to release it. Yeah, so, so that idea tickled uh, Jerry Lewis too, in, in his later years, what was that, Justin? Like that idea that people had of the movie being either an amazing um, movie that's ahead of its time or the worst thing ever put on celluloid. That idea really tickled him. You know, let me ask you a um, let me ask you a uh, a question here. Sure. Do you think they're going to release it, or do you think they're saying, you know what, let's keep this thing hidden forever? Honestly, I th- I'm leaning towards the latter. Let's keep this thing hidden forever. Yeah. And why do you think they're going to keep it hidden? Just because of the subject matter, or I think subject matter and the fact that it's just not finished um that's a fair point too yeah and i'm actually we i'm reading right now the plot of it and oh the i the ending sounds yikes yeah but um but you know what as uncomfortable it is i do think this was actually very interesting thank you for bringing that up yeah um and it's funny because 
the reason why Jerry Lewis said yes to this movie is because he thought it would help bring uh, um, awareness of the Holocaust to people. Back in 1970, I guess the idea of the Holocaust happening was not as widely accepted as it is today. Because once you think about it, it was a very taboo topic back then. Because I don't think, but then, you know, a few years after this film was supposed to come out, you had, what was it? Shin, you know, no, was it Sophie's Choice? Right. And then going into the, was it, was Life is Beautiful the 80s or the 90s? 90s. Then you had, you know, you had Schindler's List and Life is Beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, JT, uh, please tell me you have something uh, uh, lighthearted <laughs> or lighter. Aronofsky's Batman. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, you could look at it that way, but yes. I, to, <laughs> I can't believe we're doing this. But yes, Justin, I got because this is a difficult one for me, but um, I'm going to say Justin. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was about to look up Justin's own movie. He's looking his biopic no, right now. No, don't look that up, please. No, no one. No, no, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. But um, no, but but true story, true story. Uh Batman Year One was supposed to be a movie by Darren Aronofsky, if I can type the thing at all. Uh Darren has so for those of you know the Batman Year One story, good for you. You're ahead of the game. Uh, this was supposed to be a movie. I don't know what what year was this supposed to come out. Do you remember offhand, Justin? It was like the two thousands. This was yeah, like two thousand one or two thousand two, something like that. Okay. This was after uh, Batman and Robin became a bat bomb. Yeah, this is after the Batman and Robin tra- travesty that we had. Um, but I will say, like, there were there were certain elements that I liked. I mean, if you're listening to us, just Google Batman year one and you'll see the costumes that he went through as a character of Batman. Um, he had different styles. It was it was much more the Bob Kane, Bill Finger costume. Uh, truthfully, if you know that, good for you. Um, there's a lot of good elements there. Um, who, who, now who, this is where my lack of knowledge happens. Justin, who was supposed to play Batman again? I think it was Christian Bale. Was it really? I think so. Are we sure it wasn't Joaquin Phoenix? It might have been. I'm not sure. Like I, I heard, I heard a lot of things. Okay, because um, there, there's a lot going into this. But yeah, yeah. I also heard that this version of Batman was supposed to be like a street rat instead of a billionaire uh, playboy. Mm. Okay. And that Alfred was actually going to be just Big Al, who was like a car mechanic. Right. Like, there are some things about this iteration that I was just not digging. Mm-hmm. That I'm glad that they went in a different direction. Um, it would have been interesting to see an R rated movie, but as we all know, that is never going to happen. A, an R rated Batman movie no. that's it's just warner brothers is just never gonna do it no they never will that they, they never ever ever will 
Uh, unfortunately, I mean, maybe for a direct to HBO Superman thing. The thing you'll get, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's actually that's actually pretty accurate that you say that. How uh, the Batman we got in Batman v Superman, and also in Justice League with Ben Affleck, I feel like that was the most accurate representation of Batman we could possibly you know, like see on screen. Truthfully, I mean, it was say we about the movie. I feel like that Batman though was still like the Batman. Like not like not 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 the Batman in the movie, but like with Robert Pattinson, but that was, was pretty close. I I will argue with you on that because I, I I don't think Ben Affleck's the definitive Batman. I think he's a very good Batman. I don't I think he's that. I don't think he's the definitive though. I, I think we still yet have gotten like the Definitive Batman, yeah. Was was Robert Pattinson that though? I mean, he was pretty close. No, he's 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 on the road to being it. Like the, I mean, I remember Clear's Day when they just want to say this when they first said Robert Pattinson is going to be Batman. I was like, "There's Twilight, Harry Potter, (laughs) this guy," and sure enough, oh, were we wrong? So, see, I had a, a a lesser reaction. I was like, "Wait, what? Wait, actually." Hmm. 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 <laughs> um. But yeah, no, that's that. That was my last pick of the night. Truth, it was did uh, Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky, Batman Year One. By the way, just uh, we did do a editorial on this. I think in 2017 on our YouTube channel, the Super Review Show. Uh, check it out if you want to check that out as well. Uh, we went much more in depth with it. Uh, it was going to be like a different type of costume and whatnot as well, different styles, different actors. Uh, it, did, it was very interesting how we broke that down. It was like a 20, 30-minute video we did, truthfully, too. So check that out on our YouTube channel if you haven't already. It was a couple years ago uh, called D- Darren Aronofsky's Batman Year One. Um, and, um, yeah, check it out. So that is my last pick of the night, gentlemen. So Darren, Darren Aronofsky Batman. I think that would have been interesting. With yeah, the man. script written by Frank Miller. Oh, even better. That would have been such a gritty film, wouldn't it? Now, it, now keep in mind, this is a pre-9-11 uh, Frank Miller, so he has yet to write Holy Terror, so he didn't lose his mind yet. Right, that's true. Um, so this is just crazy cool Frank Miller, not crazy, crazy Frank Miller. Um, this... This is like apparently like the end of the line of like crazy cool Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Not crazy, crazy Frank Miller. Not crazy, crazy Frank Miller, because I don't think uh, All Star Batman Robin or uh, The Dark Knight Strikes Again had come out yet. Yeah. JT, you can correct me if I'm wrong. With what? Uh, when did All Star Batman and Robin come out, and when did uh, Dark Knight Strikes Again come out? There's this thing that Bill likes to refer to called the internet, <laughs> and you currently have it up. That's why I'm asking you. Boom! Oh, uh, Strikes Again was in 2001 to 2002. Okay, so that was right at the uh, right at that time. Oh, no, it was December 2001 to July of 2002, so right after September 11th. And what about Asbar? Hey, what is that called again? 
The abbreviations as bar, but it's called All Star Batman and Robin. Oh, okay. Hold on one sec. Uh, oh, that was um, back in 2005 to 2008. So no way. That's when Frank Miller really lost his mind. Jeez. That's crazy. That is insane. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, good, good, good stuff right there. Um, but the, the, those are my picks. I, I, that's all I could really think of truthfully as far as like movies that were shelved or actually, uh, well, we, we, we talked about franchises that we, we want to see return to theaters. I have, nah, uh, I have one more when we get to, but let, let, let's go back to Bill for a second. Okay, Bill, I got two more. Do you want me to go with them two one more time? Or we're going to go one more round after this. What are we doing? Uh, why don't we go you, Justin, me, and then you go finish it off. Okay. So I have talked about this before. Actually, no, we'll save that one for last. Um, okay. JT, have you... This is a... God, I thought only two movies were going to tie into this top. I thought more movies were going to tie into this topic, but there's another one when I said movies that were affected by real-life events. So you know what? Maybe we'll just do a whole episode on that. But anyway... Uh, coming soon. Ever heard... JT and Justin, you've seen this movie with me before. Have you ever heard of a movie? It came out in 2013. It's called Gangster Squad. Yeah, why? Yes. Oh god. Oh god. Oh no. What about it? <sighs> this movie actually when did you watch the Dark Knight Rises. Did you see it in theaters when it first came out? This is my movie. Sorry. Um, Go ahead, Bill. Sorry about that. Um, okay. Uh, this is a little bit of a darker topic, but uh, here we go. Um, the movie was supposed to be released in October of 2012. But, okay. Here's what you gotta know. Um, we first saw this trailer to the movie The Dark Knight Rises that came out three months prior in October, in July of 2012. And if anyone doesn't know what happened on opening night of The Dark Knight Rises in Aurora, Colorado. Yep. Yeah, because, okay, there was a scene in... In okay, those who don't know what happened in Aurora, Colorado that night, that's when James Holmes came into that theater in Aurora, Colorado and shot the place up. And there was actually this movie, it actually caused this movie to be released because there was a scene where somebody comes in and shoots up a movie theater. But because of that, they actually they actually had to go back to the drawing board and cut that scene, and I think they had to reshoot it, Justin. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. And they had to reshoot this, they had to resh they had to put another scene in there because they thought it would have been, it would have been in bad taste regarding the events of of the Aurora of the Aurora shooting. And and because of that, the film got delayed for three months, and it got released in January of 2013. Hmm. 
So yeah, that was a big reason it was delayed. Justin, you got yep. anything to say on this? Yeah, I remember watching that trailer. We were do we were watching that trailer together because we went to go see it that night, remember? Yeah, we thought, hey, that looks cool. Can't wait to see it. And, and yeah, that was the most memorable part of that trailer. And that's and that, you know, because of that, they had to take it out of the movie and reshoot the scene and do something else. Wow. So JT, you have anything to say on this? I remember when the movie came out. I don't remember seeing it. I saw the Dark Knight Rises in the theaters as well. I just didn't see. I don't remember seeing this trailer though, personally. But I do remember the movie though. Yeah, we went to the um no because we saw. I think it was that when we went to the midnight showing. Oh okay. And I think again, I may be wrong on this one, but I think after Aurora happened, they ended up pulling the trailer. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they ended up pulling the trailer after the after the Aurora shooting. Mm, okay. So they had to reshoot it, and that's and that's why Gangster Squad was delayed. The more you know. Bling. Do, 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 do. I have said my piece on this one, uh, JT. Uh, oh, just. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just um, bigger than I have one more. Yeah. We don't have another one. Um, my other one was the Darren Aronofsky's Batman. Okay, oh, so we we kind of work together on that. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. I got one more before Bill's final pick for the night. So we talked about this a little bit at one point, and I I did a little I did some digging around. Um. I, as I mean, the film got shelved, I think indefinitely at this point. But I would still like to see it at one point or another. Um, for those of you who don't know, for those of you who, have, who do, don't know me for any period of time, uh, in my top 10 favorite films of all time is 2001 A Space Odyssey. Nah. <laughs> okay. it, it is. I, it is one of my favorite films of all time. I gave it a 10 out of 10. It is up there for me. But they did. A, there was. So here's what I don't get. To my understanding. They did. I think it was um, wasn't you know it was uh, MGM has the rights, um, so this movie, the first one came out in 1960. There's four. It's based on a book. It's based on a series of books about like the sci-fi books, evolution of man, whatever, right? And pretty much, um, pretty much, it's about like the origin of human beings, and it's a, it's a really slow, drawn-out film. But Stanley Kubrick did a brilliant job with it, in my opinion. Uh, we actually did a movie commentary of this on our YouTube channel. Check it out uh, back in 2018. Um, but there's four books and there's two movies. To my understanding, and this, this is not even a postponement, I, I guess you could say. This is just a complete shelf movie. Uh, to my understanding, the book series went 2001 A Space Odyssey, 2010, um, 2061, and, two, and 3001. Um, I've read all the books, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. I've read all the books in this series because I love the I love the concept of it so much. So, to mind, and I did a little bit of digging around, but um, I believe the third book was supposed to be a movie at one point, and they just never 
to my understanding, it was it went through developmental hell at one point. I I, I want to look it up. It's 2061 Odyssey three movie, and it just never. The book came out in 1987, and the the second movie came out in two thousand. Um, the second movie came out in 19, 1984. So this was this one came out shortly after the events of um 2001 and 2010. And I've read it was not as good as the the book was one thing, but they were supposed to make a movie at one point, and apparently it. In like in 2000, like right at the turn of the millennium, they were looking to do this and they wanted to get um, sadly, what's his face uh, died. Uh, the, uh, the guy who played the guy who played Frank Poole in the um, in the first one, Gary Lockwood. Thank you, everyone, for helping me out there. Gary Lockwood died and uh, they wanted to get Tom Hanks to play Frank Poole. Well, Keir, Keir Duell, I believe, is still alive. I'm not, I'm not mistaken. He's still alive. Um, but unfortunately there was supposed to be a film and they just said, you know what, this has been, it's been so long since the 1984 film, let's just shove it indefinitely. And I, it really sucks. I love this like world that they live in, uh, the world of like the, the human beings and the earth and the monolith and all this stuff. I'm a sucker for it. I was kind of raised on this stuff truthfully, but unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever see it, and that's why it, 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 I think it got shuffled. And plus, if, if it came out today, people are like, "Oh, what's this?" I mean, they might know the score because like the the bombastic score of two thousand one and whatnot, and it was used in the movies. But I don't think that this would happen today at all, and I, that's why I think it got shoved permanently, which which really sucks because it's such a very very vast world that they created in the books. Um, it's ripe for ripe for mining. So if you're a producer out there listening to us. Just give us a call and, and we'll get 2% of the profits. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think we'll ever see this, but I, I do know this went through hell to for developmental process. I would, I would still love to see it still love to see it to this day, but I don't think we're ever going to get it. So that's, do you, do you guys know what I'm talking about with this? Are you familiar with this stuff at all? I remember. I wasn't familiar with Tom Hanks possibly directing one, but no, no, no. he was going to star in it, not direct it. Sorry. Star one. And I mean, Bill, Bill, you got anything? Yeah, I wanted to say, I remember you guys actually talked about this on the episode I wasn't here on when you yeah. said because it was more books. Yeah, there's four books total. Yeah. So they just shelved it indefinitely because they couldn't get the people or? Uh, basically, it was because like the people and also like there was a like Gary Lockwood dying in like the late 90s. I mean, the guy was really old too. He was on Star Trek, the original series. I and mean, he was like a regular on there or whatever. You know, uh, not like not a lot, but a little bit, you know. So well, here's what you gotta know, and this is like a big problem when you make sequels like years and years later. Yeah, is like you know you don't know it is everyone from the sequel from the original film are they still alive or they you know. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure Kier Duella, the the guy who played, um, Dave Bowman in the original movie, uh, actually is still alive. I believe if I'm not mistaken, he's still alive. I think Kier. Duella, yeah, I think. Anyways, but yeah, he's he's like really old now, but still, yeah. He he's he was born nineteen. He's eighty six years old. He's not gonna return now. So, but yeah. So whatever. Uh, Justin, do you have anything to say on this? Uh not really. Yeah, would have been cool. 
I mean, yeah, it would have been cool. Um, just to finish out that trilogy or the, the quadrilogy, you know, for, for, for finish yeah. all the films. Yeah. So, but that's me. Um, but that's my last pick of the night, 2061. The Odyssey that never happened. <laughs> okay. Well, Bill, I, I have one, and this film is a film that took forever. I've talked about it before, but this is a strap-in. Yeah. The 2004 Phantom of the Opera, directed by Joel Schumacher. Okay. So, yeah. This took forever to make. And it was delayed. Well, here's what happened. It all started in 1989. Warner Brothers, a year after The Phantom hit Broadway, Warner Brothers purchased the film rights. Granted, Andrew Lloyd Webber, completely artistic control. He, a bunch of A-list directors actually wanted to host, wanted to direct the film, but... But Andrew Lloyd Webber had his eye on one man. And unfortunately, Justin. It had to be Joel. Because he was impressed with his use of music in the, in the, um, in the, of his movie, The The Lost Boys. Hmm. So he, the original movie was going to star the original Phantom, Michael Crawford, and the original Christine, Sarah Brightman's Sarah Brightman, who was actually Andrew Lloyd Webber's wife at the time, they they were set to film the movie in 1990 with a $25 million budget. But then the start date was pushed to November of 1990 to move it to Prague. And then... And then what happened was Andrew Lloyd Webber and Sarah Brightman ended up getting divorced. Mm, I'll do it. And there was a lot of legal things that had to be settled. And Joel Schumacher just had so many other projects. And it resulted... Batman and Robin happened. Yeah, it was as a result of Phantom of the Opera in development lindo throughout the 90s. In February 1997, Schumacher considered returning, but eventually dropped out in favor of the sequel that never happened, Batman Unchained, Runaway Jury, and Dreamgirls. But in 1997, you know who was actually, you know who, who was actually in, who the studio actually wanted to be the oh. Phantom? John Travolta. Ugh. Ugh. And also, but there was also, they were thinking about Antonio Banderas. Which I actually think wouldn't have been a terrible choice. Not terrible, still kind of out of place. Really? How so? I don't know. I, I feel like he'd be a If you get Antonio Banderas, you're looking for someone who will show his face. Well, because in um, I think what started the rumors was he performed at a 
he performed a song from Phantom at Andrew Lloyd Webber's 50th birthday celebration. He was like, ooh, is he going to be the Phantom in the film? And he already uh, undertook vocal preparation. So Schumacher and Lloyd Webber restarted development for the film in December of 2002. It was then announced that that Andrew Lloyd Webber's production company, you know what it's called? Phantom. The Really Useful Group. Do they sound useful? Nope. Hi, we're the Really Useful Group. We're so useful. Justin, do the Really Useful Group sound useful? Um, anyway. And they purchased the film rights to produce, to produce it independently. And Andrew Lloyd Webber invested $6 million of his own money. Oh, wow. And gave it, and gave, and then the casting was, you know, Travolta was considered, Banderas was considered. They also had, they had Hugh Jackman considered too, which I think that would have been a good choice. Okay. I, I can get him a little bit. Because he does have, you know. Musical background. And, but he was filming Van Helsing at the time, so. Yeah, so. And so they ended up going with Gerard Butler because Joel Schumacher was impressed with his performance in Dracula 2000. Right. But he had no professional singing experience and took a few voice lessons and sang Music of the Night for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Hmm. And it also... Katie Holmes was actually going to be Christine. Hmm. She was the front runner, but then she was replaced by, she had already started working with a vocal coach, but she was replaced by Anne Hathaway. Because Anne Hathaway is a classically trained singer. Right. So yeah. I think that would have not been the worst choice in the world. Justin, what do you think? Uh, but she dropped out because there was conflict with Princess Diaries to royal engagement. And she was contractually obligated to make because she had to satisfy who? Uh-huh. The mouse. The mouse. If there's one thing you don't mess if there's one thing you don't mess with, it's the mouse. <laughs> So, so then they finally sent on their 63rd pick. Not, not their... Well, okay, if you count... Okay, if you, if you count Brightman from almost 15 years ago. So they settled on their fourth pick. Emmy Rossum. Hmm. And... 
And yeah, so this was a movie that uh, of a beloved Broadway musical, which goes off stage this April. Yep. Um, the film That's... didn't do well with critics, though. The film did, yeah, so this film took 15 years to get off the ground. That's crazy. And but you know what? Here's something I will stand but that I will applaud Andrew Lloyd Webber for. Even though I'm not the biggest Joel Schumacher fan, I'm, uh, you know, I will say this. Even though I wasn't a big fan of his movies, I heard he's, he was a really nice guy. Andrew Lloyd Webber, and I'll let you guys chime in on this. He had to wait so long. Andrew Lloyd Webber made the movie he wanted to make. You know what I mean? Yeah. He made the movie he wanted to make. He knew he wanted Joel Schumacher. He knew he wanted Gerard Butler. And listen, whether we liked it or not, he made the movie he wanted. Mm. And maybe this wasn't the best, but you got to give credit for knowing what he wants. For knowing what he wanted. So, guys, any thoughts on how long it took this damn movie to get made? No, I mean, you, you really hit the nail on the head there, buddy. Yeah. I wonder yeah. why Michael Crawford dropped out, though. They said because Sarah Brightman, because him, her and Andrew Lloyd Webber went through a divorce, but it doesn't say why yeah. Michael Crawford dropped out. Well, I think eventually he just aged out the part. Yeah, because you know what? Like, the thing is with some musical, and this is going off a tangent, on some musical theater, some people say, oh, we should get the original cast back to do a movie production of it. Doesn't always work. Like, an example, and this is not going because this isn't really relevant, but the musical Rent, for example, when they did mm -hmm. a movie, when they did the movie version of it, they got most of the original cast back. But I think what the problem with that was, and this is about, again, actors aging out. When that, when the show, when the Broadway show premiered, they were like in their 20s. Mm -hmm. 10 years later, you know, this is about Bohemian and, you know, coming out on all that. And, but then, you know, 10 years later, they're all like in their mid 30s at this point. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's stuff because a lot of the themes in Rent of how, and I don't mean like the themes, always fight for social justice and all that. I think that's all great. But, you know, like the type that these people come off as, you know, that's cool when you're like in your 20s. But when you're like in your 30s, it's yeah. like, uh, okay, guys, time to grow up a little bit. Um, exactly, yeah. And... And I don't mean like fighting for social justice or anything. I mean like the attitude of a lot of these people. It's like, okay, guys, yeah, we get it. It's time to grow up. Go, go get a job or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but but at least two of those cast members, one of them couldn't wasn't in the movie because she was actually pregnant, and the other one was because she she just straight up admitted, you know what, I'm too old to be in this. I'm like. You know what? At least we can give her credit for being honest. There you go. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, that's the thing with... I'm sorry, I went on a huge tangent here, but that's the thing with with people who age out of musical roles. Mm. 
And this is why we shouldn't always put original cast members in 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 movie adaptations. This yeah. is thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so Phantom of the Opera, this thing took 15 years to get off the ground. And oh boy, was it good. I hope Andrew Lloyd Webber likes what he got. <laughs> I hope so too. See not what he asked for. <sighs> And you know what? But like I said, I think that shows he really put passion and he really had a vision. And whether we liked it or not, maybe to him it's irrelevant because he got what he wanted. Right. All right, guys. So do we got anything else? I'm good. Are you guys good? I'm good. All righty. Well, listen, I want to first and foremost, I want to thank all of you for watching and listening. However you enjoyed us tonight. Uh, thank you to all of you who are, who are interacting with us in the chat board as well. Um, I want to thank Justin for joining us tonight. This was a very interesting topic. I want to thank him again for coming on as always. Seriously, you are the film nerd. You got this. Uh, Mr. Dr. Professor Justin. Excuse me. PhD. PhD. Add that in there. Uh, and I, I was, I want to thank my, my co-host that I've been doing this forever with now, Bill, you are the man. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank and, you. And, uh, Hey, we want to thank you for watching, listening, however you enjoyed us tonight. Uh, if you haven't already clicked the subscribe button on, on our YouTube channel, uh, we do tons of other content outside of Mixed Bag and career perspectives as well. Uh, if you if you haven't already subscribed to us on Spotify and podcast format as well, we are available on all platforms. Um, but yeah, so thanks so much for watching, listening, and uh, for, for until next time, until next week on the Super Show, stay safe, take care.